John Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malkin, Million Dollar Agent. How are you, gentlemen? Hello, everybody. Hey, Troy. Hey, how are you guys? Very good. Q&A day again. Q&A Tuesday. Q&A, Q&A Tuesday. Great question. But I want to ask you guys, before we move on, what do you think has turned a club around, like the West Tigers, who were a tip, who were, who were, who were tip Troy to actually get the wooden spoons are now definitely considered to be favourites to be in the finals. What has changed? What can happen in three to four months that changes things around? I think the, they have recruited one of the best coaches on the planet and I think he's got their mindset right, which is very relevant to all our listeners because I think if you get your mindset right in real estate, uh, the talent difference between the best and the second best and the third best is often very, very slim, but the mindset and confidence is really critical. I think you've seen your team, Tommy, go from believing they couldn't win to now believing they should win every game. John, if you had to have a, a number estimate, in 100% mindset, psychology, confidence in real estate, what percentage score would you give it? Oh, it's, it's high. I mean, look, I'm assuming that, you know, there's strong product knowledge and a basic set of skills. So assuming that everyone had all of that and yet some people had a better mindset, it's, it's an 80 to 90% differential um, between those that don't believe they deserve it, don't think they can win it, don't think they can sell it, um, don't, don't think a whole range of things versus the people who just walk in and they just exude confidence. So I think whether it's on the sporting field or in, in, the, um, in the boardroom, confidence, mindset, belief is really, really critical. And I think I mean, I, Ivan is, is a friend of mine. I've known him for many, many years. And I've always thought he was a, an amazingly good coach. And I think he's just indicating you know, the difference. And yeah, for, for a lot of people listening, you know, we can take the individual lesson, but also for sales managers and principals listening in, this is a lot about you know, how do you get the mindset of your culture and your team and the individuals to really believe in. There's a, there's a word called self-efficacy that often pops up when you're reading about people that become billionaires and highly successful. And, and it basically means if you have strong self-efficacy, it means you have an absolute belief that you have the ability to create that new set of results. Whereas a lot of other people, and we, we talk about it often, Tom, in, in terms of our Dr. Fred talk is, or, or description in the market and out of market, there are agents, some of whom could be listening, that think that, that really a lot of their success is dependent upon the office they work for, how long they've been in the business, what their competitors are doing, what the market's doing, what the interest rates are doing. In actual fact, none of that in, in our world and in our belief system matters much at all. It's about what are you doing within all of those things. So I think Ivan Cleary has been a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I actually. Okay, um, Troy, I was, like I was pretty, avoid talking about the Roosters. Yeah, no, I, but I was going to say when I was at the Roosters and playing uh, for a number of years, Ivan was there. Uh, so I was very fortunate not only to have Ivan as part of the coaching team, but also um, John Rebecca, Ivan's wife, also worked for us for a number of years before they had yeah, to move over to, to New Zealand. And I've never met someone that's so cool, calm, collected in the way that they do their business and training, but also a way that Ivan just inspired everyone around him. And I think if you do that, not only as a coach and a mentor, if we relate that back to real estate, as a principal of a business, business, your job is to really motivate, inspire, but also lead from the front. And Ivan did that. 
uh, you know, his playing career was enough credibility for him to show that he had credibility in the market and uh, in the in the field of, of football, but also the way that he just inspired people by guiding them. And I think we can learn a lot of lessons from sporting analogies, but Tom, I would say that over the past four months, Ivan has instilled inspiration, but also confidence in each one of those individuals that were probably tarnished over the past 12 months when they weren't performing at their optimum. Well, that's brings right. us to the question, which is kind of relevant to it, because I think uh, I, I heard a little bit of the question beforehand, Tom, but I th- it feels to me that there's going to be a bit of mindset in the answer, but let's share it with everyone and then unpack it. Okay, so the question is, and uh, by the way, I actually remember this person when he actually joined real estate about uh, you know, two years ago. I have been in real estate for the last few years. I'm an ex-sales rep in office equipment sales. Appointments were always created for me, but I have struggled in the transition to sales in real estate where you need to seem to have to do everything yourself. Maybe I'm just not cut out for this. I was making around 150000 a year, working nine to five, Monday to Fridays, but came into real estate wanting to make more money and because I had a passion for real estate, but it appears to not be working out. So, um, guys, this is a, a good question where we do have a lot of people that are coming to real estate from ex-sales roles in organisations where they've potentially got a higher base, uh, larger organisations that might be in fast consumable goods, office equipment, pharmaceutical sales, financial services, um, more structured environments, and when you come in, John and Troy, as a real estate agent, you sort of go in and in many ways, the first one or two years, the ability to handle free time, the ability to be self-independent and go off and create your own appointments is a really important step. What what do you say to this person? Well, look, there is a few, few things come to mind, Tommy, for me. One, one is there's no doubt real estate is a two-sale uh, industry. You have to sell yourself to get the listing and then you have to sell the listing to get the uh, to get the uh, commission at the end, so I, I get that, and there are other uh, businesses like car industry. In fact, the majority of other businesses, the company you work for provides the service or the product, and you just need to sell it to the consumer. So uh, I understand that. Number two is what we're hearing, and a lot of listeners can recognise this or relate to this. Perhaps what we're hearing is the hardest bit of real estate is listing. The bit that separates agents from each other is listing. And um, rejection around being outlisted weighs heavily on people. So I, I, I get that. And the lifeblood of the industry is listing. So there's no doubt that this is a really important topic for everyone uh, on the call. Um, having said that, I hate it when anyone kind of takes a view, and I'm not being critical of the, of the author of the, the letter of the question, but... Am I cut out for this or I'm not cut out for this? The reality is everyone is cut out for real estate if they're prepared to do the work to, to become who they need to be and to develop the skills they need to list prospects, sell, negotiate and so forth. All of these things are learnable skills. I'm not saying everyone can be best on planet. There will be people that perhaps are going to be slightly bit more gifted than others and perhaps they'll rise and they'll earn a bit more money and all the rest. But there's no one that can't succeed in real estate to a very strong level, if not an elite level. So the belief is, and has to be, and, and it's my firm belief, is it's just a matter of who you have to become and how do you have to be, and it's just really a, a process. 
So I think, you know, let's get that out of the way. The listing side, so a, a couple of things there. Number one, listing starts at prospecting because you have to generate enough uh, attraction to you, your personal brand, and enough inquiry to actually get into the lounge room or the kitchen table to, to get up and actually have a shot at listing the property. So, you know, listing starts with prospecting, and we've spoken a lot about that, Tom. And as I go around coaching uh, a number of people, predominantly McGrath people, I'm even playing our guys, and I think, you know, they're probably better skilled and trained than many in the industry because we have fairly comprehensive systems. And, and a lot of them, and I say, what is your prospecting system? And they kind of draw a blank stare, and, oh, we do a few DL cards and we do this. That's not a system. You know, that's like checkbook DL cards, hoping do them when we haven't got any listings. It's just not good enough. You need, from the day you get into the industry to the day you get out, a comprehensive, multi-layered, consistent, frequent, high-caliber prospecting plan. And, you know, I think we'll do, it's probably time to do that again on another call, and we won't do it today. But the answer is, once you have that, and therefore you are going to be invited into enough lounge rooms and enough kitchen tables to actually get the business, then it's just a matter of your skill and your ability. And, and again, I've, I've asked people many, many times, why would I list with you, Tom? And, you know, this is like such a basic question that anyone on this podcast should be able to nail with, with passion, enthusiasm, credibility, intelligence. And I should say, wow, okay, that's a damn good good answer to the question just asked. And yet most people I speak to in the industry, not just in our company, but all around, many of them, and they give me these kind of lofty answers. Oh, well, we have a lot of offices in our network, and because we're a married couple, husband and wives work well, or because, you know, the whole range of reasons. And and my view is, you know, you have to think about what is your point of difference. And, yeah, the hint that I'll give everyone, but again, I think we need a longer podcast, Tommy, on this. And Troy is, there's kind of the key thing that everyone that you're sitting in front of thinking of listing their property with you or someone else wants is, how are you going to maximize price and get more than anyone else? So unless you have a plan and can articulate the plan and it's credible and you can uh, describe it simply and you can describe the benefits and you can enact it with confidence, they're going to move to the next person. Don't worry whether you're one, two or three percent. You need a plan to get the best amount of money out of the marketplace and maximize price. And uh, I think, you know, so coming back to our original question there, Troy, it's really a matter of, what is your prospecting plan? Because if you're not in the lounge room, you don't have a chance. And then when you're in your lounge room, what is your value proposition? Why would I list with you and what are you going to do for me that the next person can't? And and also, how good are you at delivering that? Because some people actually have a really good value proposition, but they're not particularly good. It's like, you know, a good joke told badly. doesn't really go across so well. So th- that would be my initial summary. Can Tom, I, is, yeah, go. Jenny, I want to ask you, um, do you think, and Troy, I'd love to get your view on this as well. Do you think real estate sales is a more challenging sales environment than, say, office equipment or being a sales rep selling stuff to Woolworths um, or selling financial services for you know American Express? Do you think real estate, commission-only real estate, is more challenging? Well, there's a lot of, a lot of different options there, you know, Woolworths and financial service are very different, but I think at the end of the day real estate is probably at the upper quartile or the top 10% of challenging industries but it's also in the top 1% of rewarding industries when you get it right. 
So again, you've got it. There's no excuse. If I said to you, why would I list my property with you? If you don't have a compelling answer and you've been in the industry for more than three months, there's a problem there with you, not with not with the competition, not with your office, not with anyone else. You need to have a compelling answer. So I think the reward for the effort and the reward to put the hard yards in to develop yourself, um, because it's not just about dialogue, by the way. It's, it's about are you a person that engages people and they feel confident about when they meet you and you have charisma so people say wow i kind of like being around this person and you know and, and it's not about fake charm but it's about are you engaging as a personality so that's why i keep saying it's you know it's about who you are and what you do so i think tom probably the answer is yes it's it's more challenging then, you know, if I was selling Avon at David Jones behind the counter, I don't know if I have Avon nowadays, trust me, I've got no idea. <laughs> if, I, if I was selling cologne yep. or perfume, you know, I've got, a, I've got a sort of audience that someone else sends in front of me. I've got a, probably got a, a product that people know they want to buy. They don't need too much convincing. And they walk up to the counter and they have a look and I spray it on their wrist and they're probably going to buy something. It's not, I don't think, and no disrespect to people that are doing that, I'm sure that some of them are extremely talented, but I'm sure... It's not the most challenging, whereas with real estate, you've got to find your opportunities, get yourself in the door, you've got to engage with them, you've got to build you know, trust and rapport in a very competitive environment and then get them to sign their business over to you. Uh, and then, of course, before you get paid, you've then got to take it to the market, you've got to manage expectations on both sides and you need to maximise price and so on. So there's, there's a number of things, but... At the end of the day, people in this industry, you know, they can earn seven figures. You know, you've got people in their 20s and 30s that have got limited education that can be earning more than the most successful, you know, neurosurgeons and yeah. engineers I, and barristers in the country that have often spent 20 years honing their craft. So John, it's we, worth John, it. John, we talk a lot about um, the 30-second elevator pitch and the importance of really connecting with your clients so they understand your uniqueness and why they would choose you and if you unpack that 30 second elevator pitch it may be longer than 30 seconds but we're really trying to articulate why would someone choose me out of every other real estate professional in the industry in australia right now the second part is why would my company best serve that client to get a maximum price and then the third part is unpacking it what is the process and strategy around what i do to get to that price or get to that point that people that are emotionally engaged can make that decision. And I think if you really look at what makes you unique and unpack it in those three areas, you, the business that you currently work for and the process you're going to undertake, you will start to see it clearer in your client's eyes what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, no, I mean, nicely said. And it reminded me, Tommy, halfway through Troy saying that it was Jordan Belford a few years ago. who was a controversial guy to say the least at Eric, but I think he actually delivered some really good content and he said there are three things you have to sell. You have to sell yourself, sell you, then you have to sell your company, then you have to sell the product or service you offer. And you know, I love the way that he was able to simplify, you know, a range of things and, and that was I think a really good one. And Troy almost summarized that exactly the same way there. You know, can you sell you, can you sell the company you work with and the benefits you offer? And then can you sell a product or service which is really a point of difference? So, you know, I think if we keep coming back, Tom, to the question of am I cut out for real estate? The answer is yes. If you were good enough to earn and be paid $150,000 in, in, in another industry, I'll, I'll guarantee you, you have what it takes if you if you tune yourself up and if you um, toughen yourself up, by the way, because 
um, just surviving the often early and, and sometimes fairly frequent rejection that comes from being in real estate. See, if, if I'm behind the cosmetic counter again, you know, like there's less rejection because a lot of the people that come up to the counter, they already know what they want and it's my product, whereas in real yeah. estate, yeah. most of us in competitive markets, we're coming up against three, four, five agents every time we pitch for the business and then we get the property on the market and we're up, you know, in a competitive environment again. So I, I think uh, I, it, it is possible. Yeah. I'll just finish up on this because I think that's been very well discussed. I think in many ways what we're saying, guys, is real estate um, is, you know, as Tom Hopkins used to say, it's the highest paid hard work and it's the lowest paid easy work. So the rewards can be absolutely incredible. But I can't help but thinking about Peter Chuancy and his life before real estate. So people would walk in to buy a bed and Peter Chuancy would, you know, build rapport and I'm sure was exceptionally good at it and would sell them the bed. But when Peter Truancy enters the world of real estate, uh, unlike the customer that um, walks in looking for a bed, in real estate, in many ways, you create your only generation. In real estate, in many ways, you actually have to put yourself in a situation to be able to present people the value of picking you over other people. And as you've said before, John, there's only two reasons why people... Um, aren't using you in real estate. Number one is that they, you know, didn't call you out. Or number two is they did get you out and they just actually felt that the story you had to have was not as good as someone else's that they picked. So I do think... They invite you to come and speak to them or they did invite you and someone else is more compelling. Yeah. So, and both those things, you can reduce your ability or your, or your uh, failures around that by becoming better prospecting, more engaging at open homes and servicing buyers better and great networking and all of those things. It was interesting, Tom, I think it was with you we were talking recently, it might have been on one of the podcasts, and, and the, the phrase came up or the, the concept came up of, you know, if you don't love prospecting, you're doing it wrong. And, and I agree with that because prospecting is connecting with people, helping them, um, sharing the knowledge that you have and helping them buy or sell a property. Now, anyone that's in the industry that doesn't enjoy doing that should go into another industry without doubt. So, well, yeah, look, hopefully we've been useful, not just for our, our, uh, the author of the, the um, question, but to everyone, because I think there might be people out there that aren't necessarily thinking of getting out of the industry, but are having some doubts about their ability to sort of move their way up the food chain of real estate to become an elite status in the top 10 or 20%. And, and no one should wonder whether it, they're capable. If they're smart enough to get a job in the industry, to get onto our podcast and listen week in, week out. They're definitely smart enough to um, to get in the industry and make it. But as we always say, Tommy, what got you here won't get you there. So we need to be constantly evolving and uh, redesigning ourselves to a, a rapidly changing market. So hopefully that's helpful. But, I was going to um, say, John, uh, next week. Yeah, it might be a podcast that we have in the coming weeks, but um, something that struck the question for me was all about patience and if you've only been in the industry for a number of years, but you've had excellent results in a different industry, why not look at partnering up with someone that does have the runs on the board in real estate and then grow a business unit with them, an effective business unit, so you get the motions of everything happening. So you do learn to love the process, and then when the timing's right, move on. I think you know if we, if we talk about patience as a separate podcast coming up, that's an important one, especially for a lot of young real estate people. Um, it's not instant gratification. There's a lot of work to be done to get to that next level and i think if we nurture those people they will get there faster uh so everyone yeah, out there well that's said. probably something that we can look at in the next couple of weeks and maybe we'll have it as a topic tom about 
getting into the industry and, and nurturing people and growing those EBUs. Okay. So, yeah, Troisy, we still we've still got uh, till the end of uh, this month, which we're talking about um, April, the competition for uh, people to engage on the uh, iTunes ratings and also to give us a review. And Troy, um, at the end of this month, we're going to uh, uh, give someone a free Arik ticket. So if you haven't done that already, go to the uh, um, iTunes store. Or Troy, what's the equivalent um, for uh, Android users? Um, uh, the, uh, whatever their store is, uh, you've got me, Tom. Whatever got... <laughs> okay. If you go to the you go podcast, podcast. Yeah, if you go... download the podcast from. Yeah, wherever you download wherever the podcast can... from, but go to the podcast, five stars and a review. We we get the notification of five stars. Sorry, sorry, but... come on, let's not lead the witness. We can't tell them to give us five stars. Oh, sorry. We can beg them. We can beg them to give us five stars. That's two weeks in a row I've done that. <laughs> Thankfully, and and honestly, there's been a lot of really, really amazing reviews, and I read every single one of them, and it's going to be very hard to pick a winner. Um, but yeah, a couple more weeks of that before we announce the winner for Eric. Um, guys, I'm really excited about Eric. I had a quick phone call with... Peter Sheehan um, a couple of weeks ago and I'll tell you what his presentation is not only going to be one of those ones that everyone walks away going whoa that guy is super impressive and intelligent close to the best keynote speaker in the world at the moment they're saying and he's a young Aussie and unfortunately many many Aussies have never heard of him because he's been away from the country for about a decade doing incredible things predominantly in America and he is like the hottest ticket on most big conferences, you know, Peter Sheehan is. And so, unfortunately, he's, he's a friend of ours, and uh, we convinced him to come across and uh, and have a uh, family visit, vacation around Eric time, and come up and speak at Eric. So, uh, yeah, look, I agree with you. He's, he's just a beautiful person, and he'll add enormous depth to the event. So if you haven't got your Eric tickets, get them. Uh, if you haven't rated us yet, please, love you to do so. And we'll be back same time, same place next week, I suspect, Tommy. Absolutely. Thank you, REA, our sponsors. Gentlemen, I will see you next week. Always a pleasure chatting to you and to all our listeners. Go hard. See you next week. Thank you. Bye, guys.